Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Dr. Anna Kabeka. Dr. Anna is a triple board certified Emory University trained physician and hormone expert. She was diagnosed with early menopause at age 38. Devastated, she set out on a personal wellness journey to reverse her menopause side effects, which resulted in her delivery of a healthy baby girl at the age of 41. After experiencing her own health successes, Dr. Kabeka began counseling others, ultimately changing the lives of thousands of women across the globe. We've had Dr. Anna on before and I brought her back because she is so brilliant. Can you be betrayed by your hormones? It's so easy to think that after betrayal, we need to work on our mental and emotional health, but our hormones are greatly impacted as well. How do you regulate your hormones so you look, feel, and live better? My next guest, Dr. Anna, will share some brilliant strategies to help you do just that. You're going to love this conversation. Here's Dr. Anna. Okay, everybody, you have one of the most brilliant health experts joining us today. This is Dr. Anna Kabeka, and I and she is coming back a second time because she has so much amazing wisdom to share. She's going to be talking about the hormones, how we can be betrayed by our hormones, and so much more. Welcome, Dr. Anna. Oh, it is good to be here with you as always. Oh, thanks so much. So when you say betrayed by our hormones, let's just start there. What do you mean? Oh, well, because we can be fooled by our hormones, physiology drives behavior, right? So our physiology drives behavior. So what's happening here? This is where we really have to understand the hormones of stress, stress physiology, and how they affect also our reproductive hormones. So when I talk about feeling betrayed by our hormones, I go back to my experience, Debbie. You know, we ha- I had um, a significant amount of trauma and loss, and as a result... I learned about this phenomena called the cortisol oxytocin disconnect. Now I'll get into that more in a minute, but I want to explain how that feels. You know, we lost our son in a tragic accident and and, um, thank you. And my husband and I knew that when parents lose a child, they have a significantly increased risk of divorcing. And we didn't want that to happen to us. I think the rate goes from 50% to 80%. And we we were like, okay, well, we want to stay together, raise our kids together, and God willing, have another child together. But post-traumatically, I was diagnosed with infertility. Mm -hmm. And also, I had diagnosed early menopause, and I failed the highest doses of infertility treatments. And it was one thing after another. It really set me on a journey around the world looking for answers because there was nothing left in my doctor's back. And as a result of this, what I, you know, as a result of this, I learned, I learned to heal part of the story, right? Mm -hmm. Healing the physical. But I didn't understand that under the surface, this PTSD was continuing to go like a serpent under water. And it just was continuing to run its course. And, and it resulted in my you know, the physiology and many other things, certainly, but resulted in divorce, the feelings of disconnect, feelings of not feeling loved anymore, feeling isolated, um, burnout, all of that was true. But the most important thing was I no longer felt love mm-hmm. or loved by my husband at the time. So there are other factors too, but certainly the physiology here was really um, 
an important part of this. So when we're stressed, we have trauma, we have experience post-traumatic stress, flashbacks, our physiology has a learned response and it continues to secrete cortisol. As a result of that, like our nervous system says, okay, shut this down because you're frying me out. Cortisol is fight or flight, you know, key life-saving response hormone. But too much, too long, it really does cause major destruction to our body. It's one of the hormones that breaks us down, not builds us up. But when that's happening, when our nervous system says, our paraventricular nucleus acts actually an area of the brain says, okay, adrenal, shut down your production of cortisol. It's also at the same time suppressing oxytocin because when cortisol goes up, oxytocin goes down. And then when cortisol is like revving, mm-hmm. We're suppressing cortisol and oxytocin stays low. And not so, a- can you, you know what? Can you give us like a really practical, what would that look like? So, I'm, I, I'm, I'm picturing, I'm always in the minds of my listeners. They're listening and they're saying, how do I know if that's where I'm at? What, what would they be feeling and experiencing just right with what you're describing right there? Yes. Well, what they would be feeling and experience is that sense of that burnout, that disconnect, that like, for example, you go into the store and you see people you know, and you're like, I don't see anyone I know. I'm pretending I'm invisible, mm-hmm. right? They can't see, I can't see them. They can't see me type of phenomenon. And also you start rejecting social interaction, becoming more and more socially isolated. So the other thing is that sense of feeling. I'm not feeling love. I'm not feeling connected. The activities I used to love, I'm not enjoying. I don't even want to do them anymore. They're not, they're not there. So it's more and more retreating or cocooning. And the other experience of this too is, is oxytocin seeking behaviors, mm-hmm. going out for quick hits of oxytocin, that feeling of love, bonding and connection or surging dopamine. So thrill seeking behavior, risk taking mm-hmm. behavior, you know, um, sex, for instance, increases oxytocin. Mm-hmm. So sexual interactions and seeking that, desiring more of that um, is an oxytocin-seeking behavior, self-medicating behavior in this instance in which we have this disconnect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I remember just when you when you mentioned that feeling of, of just like not feeling connected, I, I, I remember feeling almost like I had these layers of bubble wrap around me. I just... It was it was like I couldn't feel I couldn't feel what I know I I normally do and it's I picture myself sometimes like there's an like an outlet a plug at, at the top of my head you know that's supposed to be plugged into something above and it was like the plug was pulled out and I and I re- distinctly remember that feeling. Yeah, um, you know I hear that and I I hear that from other people exactly I've been unplugged I'm mm-hmm. no longer connected that's a good example. Yeah. So, okay. So that's how we know we're, we're in that space. And, you know, here's where also we can just, we get so down on ourselves and just say, okay, well, I just have to get my, my head together, but this is physiological too. I mean, these are, these are our hormones taking us on this ride. Exactly right. So when we're, when we're stressed, we're going to feel this shift in our physiology. We're going to feel this shift. And that's what I think is liberating for us because we think, oh, well, I just need to think myself better. Mm-hmm. And 
And that's not the case. We need to act to improve our physiology. So what do we need to do? We need to do things that naturally increase our oxytocin. So certainly sex, intimacy, healthy intimacy, where there's love and connection. Mm-hmm. And think in doing things we enjoy, watching funny movies, laughing, meeting girlfriends and, you know, being able to be authentic and humorous. Anything we do with laughter increases our oxytocin. Having a pet in the house, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, a a pet that gives unconditional love is increasing oxytocin. Yeah. Everybody knows I took that to a new level with six dogs. You still have five dogs. (laughs) Six. (laughs) We're just all about the oxytocin here. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. (laughs) So, okay. So these are some things that that we can do. And then, you know, here's the other thing too. Betrayal can impact us on, on, you know, we take it out on our bodies and of course we don't eat well, or we can't even keep anything down. And and then the, the worst part of this is now our confidence has been shattered. Let's say it's a relational betrayal. And so we lack confidence. And now we're eating like garbage because we're just trying to survive. We're not thinking about self-care, self-love. And now our bodies are in this, you know, in this space of like, where did this, you know, how did this happen? Well, what do we, what do we do? How do we get ourselves out of that mess? Yeah. And, and that's where I was talk about sugar as the toxic boyfriend, right? <laughs> that toxic boyfriend that kind of wields its way back in again and again and again, like, oh, I'm good for you now. You know, let me do this for you. And it is where we have to really break up with sugar. And so part of my discovery as I went through my, um, you know, personal trauma and the experience from loss and grief to divorce and, and post traumatic divorce, I think is a whole nother category. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I went through that, also recognized with the hormonal changes that occur in our mid 40s to 50s, we lose the, a lot of the protective hormones that help our nervous system, such as progesterone, which is the hormone of calming and, and decreasing anxiety. And so what that can do during this time frame, it makes perimenopause and menopause much more difficult. And with this, often we experience an increase in weight, weight gain. And often when we're doing like pleasure-seeking behaviors, we have to recognize that one of them, like one way that we increase oxytocin is binge eating. You know, stomach distension of the stomach actually increases oxytocin. So there's a there's that kickback. It's not just sugar, carbs, it's often a mechanical effect. And so recognizing that, you know, what I call, we have to go keto green. I I call it, we have to start working with intermittent fasting to really do a couple things. One, it shrinks our stomach capacity so that, you know, we can enjoy our food and our pleasure at smaller amounts. But intermittent fasting also increases insulin sensitivity. And the green part is the alkalinizer, which helps with cortisol. And Dr. Anna, can you walk us through, because for those who aren't familiar with intermittent fasting, what it is, what it does, the benefit of it? Yes, absolutely. So intermittent fasting, we really say that from the time of your dinner meal to the time of your next meal. So for me and my new book coming out, Keto Green 16, I talk about working up to 16-hour intermittent fast. We really want to maintain a 13-hour intermittent fast Mm -hmm. um, to 16 hours on a regular basis. But 
I work you up to this. So intermittent fasting, say, for example, you eat dinner by 6 or 7 p.m., which we really should, especially those of us over 40 or 50, as I am, and break fast around 10 or 11 a.m. And so that gives us a good 16 hours where our stomach's empty, our blood sugar's nice and low, and we're able, you know, so our bodies has digested well its last meal, and it also helps us become more insulin sensitive, so that helps our other hormones. So it helps us, you know, produce and maintain other hormones. For I want to just clarify here: when our bodies having to make excess insulin, we become insulin resistant. Mm-hmm. And that increases our risk factors for diabetes, hypertension, and Alzheimer's and, and dementia. And I have to say, I just want to share this. I remember uh, the stress of my betrayal. And I was tested at that time, and I was insulin resistant, borderline diabetic. I don't even eat sugar. So the stress alone is throwing off our insulin, isn't it? A hundred percent. So when you're stressed, you're increasing cortisol. Cortisol is going to increase your glucose and your insulin has to respond to that. I, I've been wearing for my book, Ketogreen 16, over the last year, I've been wearing a year and a half now, I've been wearing blood sugar, continuous blood sugar monitor as, as I was preparing the meals and fine tuning the meals. And it's funny because even when I was fasting and I went on stage to speak, Debbie, my blood mm-hmm. sugar would go up to 150. I mean, it's crazy because at baseline, it's 80. Mm-hmm. And then when I get up to speak or I'm in a stressful, I'm thinking about a stressful situation, blood sugar goes straight up. When I drink a cup of coffee, even though it's black coffee and no sugar, my blood sugar goes up 20 or 30 points. And so that was a weight loss resistant factor for me that I had to figure out. So, you know, and it's so interesting because remember back in the day where it was like, no, graze throughout the day, <laughs> you know, no. it's like the worst thing to do. And I remember thinking, you know, cows graze, what, you know, and, and is that what we're trying to do? So it, it never really felt right. And, and it's interesting how, uh, really just giving yourselves, giving ourselves that break really allows the body to just kind of rebalance, do what it needs to do, get more sensitive, become more sensitive to our insulin. And it sounds like it makes perfect and complete sense. So, okay. So let's say we do, is, is there an amount of time we're supposed to do this for? Is this every day? What do you suggest? So with, we should have fast intermittent fast, at least 13 to 16 hours on, at least 13 hours on a regular day. Research has shown, Debbie, that in women with breast cancer, when they kept 13 hours between dinner and breakfast on average, they had a significantly decreased risk of breast can- recurrent breast cancer. Wow. And their hemoglobin A1Cs were significantly lower than the other group. So intermittent fasting increases insulin sensitivity. That's the whole concept of, when when I talk about my program, Keto, Keto Green, it's we get into ketosis through getting our body to burn fat instead of sugar. So we have to have these extended intermittent fast at least periodically and keep, you know, and keep away from sugar in our diet, even some of the healthy sugars like fruit, for instance. And so what I've looked at is this, you know, what's the ideal number of days in a row or what's the ideal sequence? And we're still teasing that out, but that's where I came up with 16 days. In 16 days, we can get a lot of benefit 
from getting into ketosis and getting alkaline at the same time. So we have to measure, you know, I have clients measure, just check urine pH, simplest thing in the world, but it makes a big difference. It's a, it's a vital sign. We should know our urine pH, like we know our number on the scale. And, um, and because it helps us not just look to make sure are we getting enough nourishment, but how are we managing stress? Because the more stressed we are, the more acidic our urine is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an important finding. Right. And two questions come to mind. So the, the first is, how do we know it's working? Like, let's say we don't, we don't do the pH strips. How would we be feeling to know that, there's a, that this is actually helping us? And I can just imagine um, my listeners saying, well, you don't understand. I have low blood sugar. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with thousands of patients, who, <laughs> you know, honestly, and everyone can do it. We are designed to do it. And the reason the low blood sugar is, is because that, you know, you go from a carb heavy meal and sometimes it's hitting carbs like that favorite juice smoothie or those, you know, you're juicing vegetables are, and juices in there. And that's a lot of sugar. That's a lot of sugar going into your system. So what happens is your blood sugar goes high, your insulin comes in to attack it, to drive it into the, you, know, you, don't, you only need a certain amount of sugar. Mm-hmm. So that gets driven into the cells and then your blood sugar goes low as a result. And you feel this hypoglycemic, you feel this, okay, I've got to eat something right now. And it's really fascinating how those shifts in blood sugar really affect your physiology. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I would encourage that women who are experiencing low blood sugar is to get a blood sugar monitor like the the Freestyle Libre, which you is it just slaps onto your arm for 14 days and you just use your smartphone app and record it records um, your interstitial blood sugar, your interstitial sugars, and you can watch what's happening to your body as you do life. And that can really help you in self-discovery. So that's another like fine tuning, but in, in, you know, I did it, I did it for everyone in my book by the meals and, and how I composed them and created them to maintain that blood sugar. But if someone is feeling that, you know, shaky, I would say, okay, you've got to increase your fats at the, Mm -hmm. at that meal before. So you're just probably not getting enough fat or we need to add an omega-3 to help stabilize their blood sugar even more. So that addition of fats really do help stabilize blood sugar. And, and, you know, a few things, first of all, it's probably so interesting for, for, to wear the monitor and to see how your uh, blood sugar is being affected by things like you said, like speaking and just, or just in your, whatever you're doing during the day. And also to see what your coffee is doing to you and, and really how the daily things you do, how it's impacting. So that's, I love that. That's brilliant. And then to adjust accordingly. So then the, the other question, how do we know that it's working? What would be the difference in how we feel? Oh, yes. So energized. I call it energized enlightenment, Debbie, because I went from feeling so much brain fog and depression to as I tailored my physiology in this keto green way, managing cortisol and getting more insulin sensitive. I had this, the peace that surpasses all understanding, like nothing in my external environment had changed, but my internal milieu had changed. So most important for me was this peace. Yes, I lost you know, 20 pounds in a few weeks. And yes, I, you know, felt, you know, more energized and energetic, but even this peace, clarity, a sense of calm, 
and my memory back. Like my memories, when you're stressed, you know, you lose those, mem- you lose those memory cells, mm-hmm. so to speak. You really have cortisol creates, you know, cortisol creates everything, leaky gut, leaky brain, leaky heart. I mean, so cortisol really can affect our visual memory. And I went from, you know, I'm a physician and I went from having an excellent memory to really struggling at that time in my life. And so to gain all that back again, you know, that, that made a huge difference. I think about it because I was 48 going through the second, this, I call it my second menopause. And that's Mm. when I was really, really struggling and spiraling downhill. This approach of creating insulin sensitivity, managing cortisol and putting oxytocin in the winner's circle, so to speak, gave me my life back. I mean, I couldn't have imagined writing one book, let alone now publishing my second book, you know, five years ago. Wow. And, you know, I have to say, it's been about, I'm going on maybe a week and a half of intermittent fasting, just uh-huh. because I, I just, as sort of a way to detox, just feel better. The I'm not losing a tremendous amount of weight. I wasn't really trying to lose a tremendous amount of weight. But what I'm noticing is the clarity and the energy. You're so right. It's There's just this uh, sustained energy, it feels like. And I'm not even that hungry. Even like when it's time for a meal, it's not. I I would I remember in the past, like from one meal to the next, like oh when's when's lunch? I'm starving. You know when's dinner? I'm so hungry. It's like I'm not that hungry. But the the clarity is it, it's almost like the fog has lifted. So I totally know what you're saying. It's it's very clear. It's very real. Yes, yes, I hear you. And exactly what I had. Fe- yeah, I used to go to bed thinking about food and wake up thinking about food. Right, right, and it's just. And not on my mind. And the beauty is it it really allows me to focus on other things and not just obsessing about what my next meal is going to be. Right. And I think it's really an important um, point to stress during this time is that our, our physiology is stressed right now. That's causing some increasing cortisol. Everything we can do to harness that, right? Create this piece to compartmentalize the thoughts when we have to think about uh, things that maybe are out of our control a little bit. You would talk about compartmentalizing. I, I had to do it as part of my PTSD. When thoughts would come up, I would just have to say, okay, I'll get to you at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. and kind of made an appointment with these thoughts, intrusive thoughts, and honored that 8 p.m. time. And that just to freed up my brain, freed up my space. And when we are struggling here with increasing in cortisol, like we all are as a nation right now, it is that matter. Okay, I need to enhance my physiology. I need to um, manage my cortisol and recognize that the stress physiology is cravings, is Mm -hmm. comfort eating for many of us, is, you know, brain, that we're going to experience brain fog. So acting now to counteract that is just going to make... And you know, yeah. And what I love about this too is with something like betrayal, so much has been uh, taken out of our control. And this is something completely within our control. And it's almost like, okay, here are the reins. You get your, you know, you can, you can steer again. You can take control of this one aspect. And, and it just gives you that sense of empowerment, sense of control back, which is so important during a time where you feel like you've lost control and life is out of control. So, how does somebody get started? Like someone's listening to this right now saying, I just, I feel so horrible mentally, physically, emotionally. This sounds like something I can do. This sounds like, okay, yes, I, I want to feel like my life is a little bit back in control and I can, I can take 
just even gradual steps towards it, what would be the first thing you suggest? Oh, wow. First thing I would suggest is you focus on the things that are good in your life, gratitude journaling, appreciation, and reframing any negative thoughts into a positive direction. I mean, gaining, mastering our mind to the, you know, because that does affect our physiology. So mastering, you know, really mastering our thoughts in a positive direction, but that's, but that's hard. So Mm -hmm. practically what like my day is, and I'll kind of, maybe I'll go through this because it's a constant discipline and a practice. So for me, it's I start the morning with what did I love about yesterday? Where did I see God or where did I see love yesterday? And I focus on that. What's my plan? You know, what's my plan for today in a very positive way? What can I look forward to today? What is one thing I'm going to do that's going to bring me joy? And that's before I get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And and then I'll I'll drink an alkalinizing drink. I drink my Mighty Maca Plus with. Some I love that. Water. I've had oh, it. <laughs> yes, and that is that is so beneficial, detoxifying, alkalinizing, and and supports my adrenals. So you know, I created that as part of my journey around the world, finding things that helped me because nothing existed like this. And and I I really attribute that to reversing my infertility and reversing my menopause and having a baby when I was 41, you know, because I was 39, you know, we had the trauma and the early menopause, and then 41, I was able to reverse that and have a beautiful baby girl. And then at 48, I went into the second early menopause, and that's where I, I created this tailored plan for us going through um menopause and transition during this time because there's more to hormone it takes more than hormones to fix our hormones mm-hmm. but in, and then after I do my alkalinizing drink I'll exercise and then I'll break fast usually around 10 a.m mm-hmm. and have a keto green shake I just drank mine actually I saw so you t- it looks yeah. so good <laughs> it was good. It was good. And uh, I added a little cocoa, fresh organic cocoa into it this morning. So it was a chocolate keto green shake. And, uh, and, and then, you know, I'll have a keto green dinner. So I typically will eat two meals a day now, two or three, it depends. You know, last week it was, there was some comfort eating going on for sure. And, and it's really important to pull myself right back out of that because I know I'll just spiral down. So it's, it's checks and balances. And that's where, that's where I am in this journey. So getting keto green, intermittent fasting, help, you know, meals that are really a, a plate that looks like it's 70% dark green leafies, alkalinizing veggies, and healthy, high quality protein. We really need protein to make good muscle, especially as we get older. And then healthy, high-quality fats to, number one, keep us from being hungry and get us into that fat-burning stage of ketosis to really feel the benefit of using ketones for fuel over, over glucose for fuel. Beautiful. Can you give us uh, just an example of a few healthy fats? Oh, yeah. Avocado is one of my favorites. Coconut oil, olive oil. I put olive oil on everything, everything. And a, a tablespoon of olive oil is is really a good amount. And, you know, so one to two tablespoons even making beautiful olive oil dressings or just topping your meals with that. Nuts and seeds are healthy fats as well. And of course, you know, meats and, and um Fatty fish or salmon is another protein and healthy fat. So ways that we get good omega-3s is 
definitely part of my Keto Green 16 plan. Mm-hmm. And a few examples of alkalizing uh, uh, vegetables? Oh, definitely all the cruciferous vegetables. And they're also breast healthy and hormone healthy. So cabbage, broccoli, broccoli sprouts, um, cauliflower. And we can do so much with cauliflower now. That's really, that's been fun making all kinds of recipes with cauliflower. And then also the dark green leafies. So kale, collard, chards, and my favorite beet greens. Beet greens used to throw them away, Debbie. And mm-hmm. now it's like I make, I like at least once a week, I'm making a saute with all beet greens because they're so alkalinizing and really do enhance your physiology. Actually, I'm going to make some now. <laughs> there you go. So what do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? I really want everyone to know that physiology drives behavior. And so we have to heal the physiology in order often to get control of our thoughts and our mental atmosphere. And it does make a difference. So in the steps we take to enhance physiology, to enhance our hormonal control is going to improve our peace and our quality of life, our ability to respond instead of react. I remember a time when I was, I was so depressed, so anxious, so irritable. And I felt like, you know, I was the waves. And now I always say I'm the ocean, not the waves, right? Like that's the goal. I want to be the ocean, not the waves. I'm not going to be thrown a hither um, out of, you know, it's my own choice versus external forces moving me. Wonderful. So it's it's really becoming proactive versus reactive. And mm-hmm. here are definitely some solutions to, to put us in that space. Dr. Anna, as usual, you gave us so much insight, so many amazing strategies. And what I love about this, like I said, is it gives us something that we can be in control over and really feel a difference, give ourselves such a gift and uh, put ourselves back into balance while we're healing from things we never thought we'd have to deal with, but certainly things that uh, that just unfortunately are, are a part of many of our lives. And, and you've given us some great strategies to make some uh, lemonade out of some lemons. Mm, my Thank pleasure. You so Anytime. Much. Thank you. Dr. Anna shared so many amazing strategies on how to heal. So many of the concepts made so much sense, especially knowing that it's our physiology that drives our behavior. Stay in touch by going to drannacabeca.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Sugar is like a toxic boyfriend. It's a one-sided relationship that truly doesn't serve us best and chips away at our health, our self-esteem, and our sense of control. Taking that control back gives us a sense of safety, security, and empowerment. As our brain fog begins to clear, our energy starts to increase, and weight begins to shift. It's so important to feel like life isn't completely out of our control, and managing our eating is one of the most powerful ways to get that sense of control back. What else can you do? Take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz at pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz and the PBT Institute membership community is coming. Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you can schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine 
imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best all online. I am so excited to welcome you. Just go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. If we're not open just yet, hang in there. It's coming so soon. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.